0: Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. I want us to take a look this morning at 1 Peter chapter 3. Again, 1 Peter Chapter 3, and today we're going to begin in verse 10. 1 Peter, chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. Peter is going to open with a quote from Psalm 34. The psalmist David said so many, many, many years before 1 Peter was written, For the one who desires life, to love and to see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. That's your word, Mike. Uh... In the Greek, we translate the word Mike was talking about, to pursue, as a word that it's a hunter's term. You, you go after the prey. Uh, it's like finding out somebody's after you, looking for you. You hear them behind you. They're getting closer. And in the case of Psalm 23, it's God, and He's coming to bless you. That's a wonderful feeling to have. But he says, Pursue peace, for the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is there, Peter then speaks, to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify. Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence or fear. And keep a good conscience. So that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. For Christ also died for sins once for all. The just for the unjust so that he might bring us to God. Having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. Sometimes we hear the question, how in the world could anyone look at that and not believe in God? How could anyone see that and not understand that that didn't just happen? That would have been impossible. There has to be a supernatural being behind that. Now, our problem is usually we are looking at some landscape. We're looking usually at something in nature, and, and usually when I see it on Facebook, uh, uh, Dr. Mooring and Miss Donner hanging off the side of it, <laughs> waving at us. But it's some beautiful structure, perhaps. Uh, uh, the way uh, the river has taken years to cut into a stone or some landscape or, or something that is just absolutely beyond uh, explanation. And, and we know that it didn't just happen. And we will repeat that word, that, that phrase. How could anybody look at that and not understand that there is a God? Yet we, as human beings, are the pinnacle of creation. We're far more important to God than even these beautiful landscapes, and God is willing to come into our lives if we put our faith and trust in Him, and make Himself active in our life. Not just uh, something He created years ago, but He can be active in our life from day to day. And, and I, I tell you, and I'm as guilty as anyone in here. People should look at our lives more often than they do, and say, "Wow, how could anyone see that and not realize? Wow, there is a Creator, man! That guy forgave people to that. that he, he owed them. Nothing. They were so mean to him, but yet he was. He turned a kind cheek back to them. Uh, to, for them to frail at him again, he glorified God in that, and he had every reason to retaliate. Or, or she could have been so angry she could have left church, but no, she didn't. It was, it was she, she, she was willing to look beyond all of that, and she tried to find out why that person was so belligerent because she knew that individual must be hurting deep inside, and she didn't take it personal. She was more concerned about what was going on inside that person than she was concerned about what was going on in between her and that person. What if people looked at those things more often? What if they saw them? I wish they did in my life more. Sometimes I'm way too typical. I do exactly what is expected. I, I get angry. I, I, I want to be defensive or, or whatever. I want to stand my ground. I want to make sure you know I'm right and you're wrong and all of that. Uh, but when we do the supernatural, when God does the supernatural through us, loves the unlovable, unlovable forgives the unforgivable. And, and when he does things like that, the world should be able to look at us and say, wow, wow. There is no way that can happen without God. That didn't come naturally. That is not something that just happened. How could anybody look at that and not realize that, wow, there really is a God. Peter has been teaching us about living that godly life. Living a life that reflects God, that reflects the supernatural. And we already talked last week about, uh, we've been in it for several weeks now, but we talked about living a godly life at home. And we talked about the wives, and we talked about the husbands. And then last week we talked about living a godly life in the church. Today we want to take a look. He just keeps right on going in the text. Living a godly life in the world. It's never been more important for us to be a light, in this darkness. We'll get right to it. If we're to do this, there's two things we have to do. One, there are decisions that we have to be willing to make. There are some decisions that we have to be willing to make. In Psalm 34, David is running from Saul. David's life is upside down. And though David did a lot of things that caused himself problems in his life, he was the number one enemy in his life. I can tell you he was more trouble to himself than ever Goliath could have been, or Saul, or anyone else. And that's usually the testimony for most of us, is it not? We usually are the biggest enemy that we will ever face. We do more to hurt ourselves than anybody else could do if they stayed awake 24-7. But this time David is being pursued and he is an innocent man. God has anointed him to be king, but Saul is trying to kill him, and Saul has turned into just this depraved maniac, and he is bent on taking David's life, and and it's a terrible situation for David, and David is fleeing when he writes these words, he's running for his life, and He winds up at Limelech's house, and then when he gets there, somebody recognizes him, and he has to flee. As a matter of fact, the only way he gets out of there is he acts like he's a crazy person. Uh, He begins to just run around and act like he's lost his mind. That would be uh, easy for a lot of us, and a a good defense if you ever need it. Just, Just pull it off. You can do it. But he tried to act like he had lost his mind. It the only way he could get out of there. They were recognizing him. He didn't know who his enemies were. He didn't know who his friends were. Life was totally chaotic. He was probably beginning to wonder, well, where is God? Why don't you do something, Lord? Because you have promised to preserve me and you did with the lion and the bear and the giant. But man, I am running for my life. My own son is trying to overthrow me. And that, of course, happened later. He went through a lot. But I want to tell you what he tells us. He says, when life gets tough, he says, there's three decisions you have to make. One, he says, make sure you speak. Whatever anybody else says doesn't matter. Make sure you speak what is pure. Verse 10. For the one who desires life, to love and to see good days, he has to keep his tongue from evil. People can say mean things about you. They can just rip into you big time. But he says, you keep your tongue from evil. And he has to keep his lips from speaking deceit. He is basically saying, hey, even in the toughest times, there is a way that life works and there is a way that life doesn't work. And there are things you can do in your life that will help life to work. And he said, if you want to see good days, if you want to be blessed, he said, there's some things that you can do to help bring that about He said, if you want to make bad decisions, then there are bad consequences. Bad ideas have bad consequences. And and we see that in our world, but we will see it in our life. We reap what we sow. That is not just some empty thread. That is a certainty of life. We reap what we sow. He says, first of all, you have to keep your tongue from evil. See, we control our own tongue. There's a lot of human volition here. There's a lot of things that we can do as human beings. And that's not to attack God's sovereignty in any way. But I I have to keep my tongue. I am the one that's in charge of watching uh, what I say. And when I say things like, well, my tongue's just out of control. I hear people say sometimes, well, I I didn't mean to say that. I, I spoke before I thought. When in reality, most of the time, when we say something ugly, we thought before we spoke. And we had been thinking that for a long time. When you stop thinking about what you're saying, you start saying what you've been thinking about. Oh, when it starts churning in here... (laughs) Oh, I said that before I thought. No, you've been thinking about that. That's why it jumped out of your mouth. That ugly word that, oh Lord, I didn't mean to say that. No, you've been saying it under your breath all this time. It finally got out of your mouth. It will do that. We have to learn how to keep our tongue. We don't always have to have something to say. As a matter of fact, James says, well, be careful about running your mouth. That's the paraphrase. He says the tongue is set on fire from hell and James chapter Three, uh, he talks about. He says it, it's 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 like a a, a, a beast, and we can tame all kinds of other beasts. But he says that tongue now it, it it's it's something. And for those of us who preach and have to use our tongues a lot and have tons of opportunities to speak boy, we have to be extra careful. It's easy to use this pulpit as a way to just express my ideas. And I have plenty of them. It's easy easy for me to use this pulpit. This is is not mine. This is not my church. You people do not belong to me. And and how dare I prostitute your time and God's time in this place to simply express my opinions. That's exactly why James started chapter 3. With not many of you need to be teachers. He said, and I'm going to tell you why. Your mouth will get bigger than your brain. Have to keep our lips from evil. Keep them from deceit as well. That's telling lies. Some of you are old enough to remember. The old TV show to tell the truth. Remember that? I am Mike Snellgrove. Number two, I am Mike Snellgrove. Number three, you you got it, okay? The way to win the game was to figure out who's lying. I would say it's not a game nowadays, it's more serious than that, but one of the best things, one, one of the great tasks, the most important tasks you and I have nowadays is to figure out who is lying. I mean, just turn on the television and whip through a few channels along about 5 or 6 o'clock every evening and boy, they'll give you all kinds of, of options. Some of them are, are true, some of them are outright lies. I, I have never in my life, and I'm trying really hard here not to share my own opinion about this, but man, I'm going to tell you something. I have heard more things about this COVID deal and, and what we should do and shouldn't do and all of that. And the only doctor right now I believe I have very much faith in other than the one that is my personal physician is Dr. Seuss. I think we should have kept him and got rid of some of the rest of them. So I follow my doctor. I've had both COVID shots. I've had a certain amount of days. I I got the COVID shot because my doctor said, get the COVID shot. So I did. I'm going to follow what he says. I'm going to stick with that. Don't just tell me, it's so many other things in life. We know how they twist it. We know how they turn it. Uh, it, it, It is amazing. Back in 1966, the cover of Time Magazine had a cover on it that said, Is God Dead? 51 years later, in 2017, they had a cover. 2017, Is Truth Dead? Because truth has become, in our culture, whatever I want it to be. And I know you say, Mike, you run that in the ground around here. Well, stick around. I'm just getting started But truth is subjective. That means you have yours, I have mine. Man, I see people that ought to know better. People that that attend church on Sunday and they brag on social media about, I have finally discovered my truth. What are you, out of your mind? You don't have your truth. The minute it becomes personalized, it's no longer true. You can't have yours and I can't have mine. It is either true or it's not. And truth is that which corresponds to reality. And if it doesn't correspond with reality, it is not true. Keep our tongues from deceit. So he says, first of all, decide to speak what is pure. Secondly, decide to stand where it's proper. In verse 11, he said, he must turn away from evil and do good. This is not legalism, but he simply said it takes more than just a passive stance by believers. Sometimes we we act like, well, I'm a Christian because of all the things I don't do. I don't do this, and I don't do that, and and, 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 and uh, the old mantra from South Carolina was, I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or date girls that do. And it was hard down there to find a girl that did <laughs> The problem is we reap what we sow. we already talked about that. It's a law of reality designed by God. You have to turn away. We have to turn away from what is bad and do what is right. Man, I know, I wish I had words that could make that sound like a magical formula. I wish we could have hidden that in a cave somewhere and had Indiana Jones discovery. Maybe people would think more of it. Think it's, that's wow, that's a really significant truth. It is a significant truth. Stop doing bad things. Start doing good ones. Not just measure your life by all the things you don't do think about this they don't hire you to play football in the nfl because you never ran out of bounds and they don't hire you because you never scored points for the other team it's not about what you don't do it's what you can do that's what they want it's the same way with us and and this business of 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 just constantly doing the wrong thing and wondering what's going on have you ever known anybody that it's almost like, it's, it's almost like, I, I, I'm trying to illustrate it some way. It's almost like every morning they take their hand, lay it on the table, and frail it with a hammer. And then they ask you, please pray for relief. I'm in so much pain. I'm so crippled. I can barely do anything. And then the next morning they get up and what do they do? All that pus and ooze sitting there and fevered and hot now. Ooh, frail it again. And then it's, oh, man, my life is such a mess. Well, stop hitting your hand with the hammer. How's that? Stop doing things that destroy your life. Have you not lost enough jobs by now? You really think that you won't ruin this marriage too? Until God transforms your life and, and changes what you are doing and you stop doing the bad things and start doing the right things, your life will always be a mess. Always be a mess. Make sure that we speak what is proper, stand uh, uh, or, or speak what is pure. Stand where it's proper. Seek peaceful. Verse 11. I'll just tell you. I've been kind of jumping around up here. You probably noticed. I have this thing on my computer that because I don't type anymore not very well. I speak and it just writes. For some reason I keep forgetting to turn that off. <laughs> and everything I said to you about Cassie it printed it in my notes, and I keep coming to places. Don't be like Cassie. I, I don't be like what, and, and I'm like, oh, where did that come from? And then I can't find my place. So yeah, bear with me. Thirdly, we have to seek what is peaceful. That's the third decision we have to make. Verse 11, he says, he must seek and pursue it seek what is peaceful people around you might want to fight you you look for what is peaceful it's not always possible but as much as it is within you paul says have peace with everyone it, it sometimes it's not possible but but we need to seek and we said already that uh, this word in the greek is a word that it is a hunter's term sometimes i'll mention to somebody about hunting a particular piece of land and I've had people tell me these interesting things before, but they'll say, "Well, I've lived over that way. I've never seen any deer." Well, you've never hunted deer. It'd be like you ride by Lake Norman today and go, "I didn't see any fish." (laughs) Well, they're there, (laughs) but you got to fish. And there's deer, but you got to hunt them. You can't just wait on it to work out. They don't just come get in a truck and go, "Yeah." Oh, a lot of money, IRS is me. if you'd like to shoot me, go ahead, it's not how it works, and I don't claim to be an expert on it, but I will tell you this, you have to seek it, it doesn't just happen, and that verse in Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer can turn away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger i've seen it more than one time and i've not always had the ability to do it because i didn't always trust in god sometimes i trusted in myself and and i wound up in a shouting match or a fight with somebody or whatever but i can tell you when somebody just really gets on your in your face and gets on your nerves i am amazed and i bet you have been too if you've lived very long at all and how if you look at that person and say, hey, 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 I'm, I am so sorry. You're right. You were in line first. I didn't know you were in line, but that's my fault. I am I'm, I'm so sorry. Not always. but Sometimes you just kind of see this look start coming over their face. And it's almost like they would have been way more comfortable if you would wanted to fight because now they don't know what to do. They've jumped all over you, threw your groceries off of the counter, (laughs) told you they'd beat you to death, you did it again, and all that, and you're looking at them going, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, really. I didn't mean to cut you off back there, and I, I, man. Please forgive me. I I had so much on my mind. I wasn't paying attention whatever. You don't need to lie to them. But sometimes we do things. We make mistakes. It bothers other people. And I'm not saying it will always work. Sometimes people are going to be idiots. No matter what you do. I understand that. But more often than you realize, I'll bet you, if you look at a person and say, you know, you're right. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And even if you didn't make a mistake, Sometimes you can look at another individual and just say to them, Hey, man, yeah, I, I I know i got all that. Come here and talk to me a minute. Maybe it's somebody you know and they're acting all out of sorts. But if you pull them into a room in the hallway at church and just say, Hey, man, what's going on? This is not like you. You seem really upset, brother. You, 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 it's... There's something I I don't know about. I don't have to know about it. something I can pray for you in. I've never, you seem really wired up today. Man, more than one time I've seen grown men go from cursing to tears in their eyes and weep. Just waiting on somebody to burst that, that boil inside of them that just has festered. And is so fevered and has caused him so much pain. And nobody's cared to ask. And yet, when they clobbered you, you came back with grace. You have to seek that. It won't come natural. Secondly, there are decisions we have to make. Secondly, and last of all, there is a defense that we have to be able to give. If we're gonna be godly this way, if we're gonna shine in this darkness. There is a defense that we have to be able to give. We're going to look at verse 15. He starts out saying, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. In other words, set Christ aside as Lord in your heart. He doesn't just need to be somebody you admire, a historical figure. That won't do it. If he's not the Christ, then Christ... Is a Greek word, Christos, for Messiah, which is a Hebrew word which means anointed one. If He's not the Christ, if He's not the anointed one in your heart, if He's not the one who died to save you from your sinfulness, if He is not your Savior, if you have not already given Him that position, not just in your mind intellectually, but in your heart, then you won't need a defense for anything because you have nothing to defend. I read about an interview one time Christopher Hitchens was a famous atheist. He did an interview with a lady that was, oh, she was a Christian, but boy, she couldn't wait to tell him in the interview she wasn't just your typical Christian. She says this to him about his book. She says, Mr. Hitchens, the religion you cite in your book is generally the fundamentalist faith of various kinds i am a liberal christian and i don't take the stories from scripture literally i don't believe in the doctrine of atonement that jesus died for our sins for example do you make a distinction mr hitchens between fundamentalist faith and liberal religion i want to read you his response once in a while, even an atheist gets it right. He looked at her and he says, I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ and Messiah, and that he rose again from the dead and by his sacrifice our sins are forgiven, you really not are in any meaningful way a Christian. Man. I'd have hated to have been her and try to figure out what to say next. Even the atheists wouldn't have you, ma'am. If you were on our side and you couldn't defend your beliefs any better than that, you don't believe anything. You have nothing to defend. And there are a lot of Christians who are they say they are. But they have this this historical admiration for the man Jesus and they believe he was done wrong and, 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 and they believe he was misunderstood. Some even believe, bless his heart, that's a southern thing, that maybe he himself was mixed up about what he was to do. But his heart was in the right place. And he tried his best to show us how, even when you're persecuted, how to, to be nice to others and, and to feed the poor and to care about the needy and all of that. He was a great example. He lived. And, and, and he died and, and, and some said he rose again, but none of that's really important. The thing is he was a great example for us to follow. That's how they see Jesus. If that's how you see him, you won't need a defense for anything. But when you believe he is the son of God, God Almighty in flesh on this earth who came here and lived and died for our sins and rose again and is in heaven by the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I on a daily basis. If you believe that, you'll need a defense. Because there are plenty of people that are going to think you're naive or simple or, or that you just really haven't thought about it enough or, or maybe you're not as intellectual as they are. You'll need a defense. Here's how we do it. He says, first of all, give a defense according to reason. Apologia is the word here for to give an answer. Apo is from, it's a preposition, and logia is from logic. So from logic, he says, that's the word for defense. From logic, be able to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have within you. Now, I think we've made theology way, way too complicated, but I will tell you this. We ought to be able to look at people and tell them why we are born again and what that means to us. Instead of just, woo, wee, I love Jesus and, and I can't explain it all. Boy, you ought to hear my preacher explain it. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. What about you explaining What about you looking at him and saying, hey, I'm a sinful creature. Jesus Christ came to this world. He lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was a perfect sacrifice. He gave me his righteousness as a free gift. It is a gift of grace. And I am 100% righteous right now. That's all. If you hadn't killed him yet, that'll do it. I'm 100% righteous, not because of anything I've done, but because God gave me His righteousness as a free gift of grace. And I will never ever lose it because I did nothing to earn it. And I will eternally have a relationship with God. How about you saying that to them? vicarious suffering of Christ. That's a different word. You could use a different one. But, but Jesus died and His death counted for our death, for our sacrifice. What if you were asked to, to tell me about this bond servanthood where a servant is a, a slave and he's set free from his old master and, and he serves his new master not because he has to, but because he wants to. And that's the relationship that we have with our new master, Jesus Christ. What if you said some things to them like that. What if they ask about the fruit of the Spirit? Would you know where to send them? What well, book in the Bible shares with us the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians. Yes. Galatians 5. I, I know most of you get it. Let me just tell you, tell you this. If you're sitting there going, well, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't claim to know much. I know what counts, though. What well, you do? You know what matters to you, but Peter didn't say, hey, just hang on to what matters to you. And when people ask you hard questions and you can't answer them, just bust out into a shouting match. Woo, glory to God. Just dance all around food line throwing sacks of bread and they'll finally just leave. That's all you got to do. Amen. That's not what he said. No, he said from logic. Be able to give a defense. For the hope that is in you. I'm going to tell you, if you come to Cornerstone Fellowship, or could come, and maybe you don't, but we're inviting you now. You're going to have a hard time making excuses because we will teach you these things. Man, the men and I are going through the book of Jude right now. We're into all kinds of stuff. We are so in over our heads and and. We're having a great time doing it, but you can come to that class, excuse me, on Wednesday night and you can ask any questions you want. If you come Wednesday night and you've never been there one time in your life and you raise your hand and say, Pastor Mike, I have a question and, and I've never been here and it has nothing to do with the book of Jude, but there's something I need to know. I promise you, we'll give you all the time it takes because we are called to make disciples And that's what we want to do. We have women's classes. We have youth classes. We have children's classes. We have all kinds of things. But we will teach you. And you will notice when we preach the Word, we preach the Word. We don't preach about the Word. We don't do like Spurgeon said young pastors used to do. He said they would read a verse and use it like a diving board. And they would spring off of that thing and they would leave it and never return to it. No, we read the verse and then we get into verse. We preach. Our points all come from The verses, and that's not bragging about me or anybody around here, but that's 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 preaching the word, and that's what we do here. Be willing and ready, prepared to give a defense. Secondly, do it with reason, secondly, do it with confidence. Verse 15 he says, Give a defense for that hope, that hope that is within you. Elpis is the word, It doesn't matter in the Greek how to say it, but it does matter what it means. Hope for the Christian is not like hope as in maybe things will work out. No, hope for the Christian in the New Testament is a word of assurance. I, I already know it's going to work out. I, that's, that's what gets me up every day. I, I know that no matter what happens, it's going to work out. One of these days, I will be in glory with my Heavenly Father. And until then, He's going to be with me and and, and it's, it's going to work out. It's not like I hope I win the lottery or I hope I strike it rich or I hope that that girl will date me or whatever you might be hoping for. Um, Whatever that is, it's not about any of that. that's That's a worldly kind of hope. But the hope that is talked about in the New Testament is a blessed hope. It's a hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And it's when everything else is falling apart, we know that that relationship is always going to be there. Do it with reason, according to reason. Do it with confidence. Do it from experience in verse 15. The hope that is within you. Don't tell them about Granny's salvation. What good woman she... Oh, preacher, if you could have met my grandma. Lord, she loved the Lord. A lot of times, have you ever asked somebody, Hey, are you a Christian? Well, well, I I'm not. I wish you could have met my grandma, though. I, did, I didn't get to meet your grandma, And one of these days when you die and stand before God, Grandma won't be there. And God's not interested in hearing about it because if she knows Him, He already knows her. What about you? Is the hope within you, or is it just something you've heard about? Something you've read about? People talk about, well, my denomination believes, or... or, my pastor preaches and fill in the blank or or my parents used to always uh, say you got to get beyond all of that. Where are you in this? Do you have hope in Jesus Christ? Is he your personal Lord and Savior? Yeah. Nellie D. Snellgrove was my grandmother and a godly, godly woman. But I can tell you, her experience with God will never suffice for me having one. I had my own experience with God. And I've got my own faith and trust in God. And I know what she's talking about now because I too have experienced that hope that she had. That hope that is within me. Amen. According to reason, with confidence from experience, do it through gentleness, he says in verse 15. I think we have to stand for the truth. We have to stand against what's wrong and we have to stand up for what is right. But just yelling at people about how wrong they are is probably never going to make them one change. I'm afraid I grew up in a church where we had a lot more heat than light coming from the pulpit. It was fiery. And I'm not downplaying that. People need to know. Dr. Vance Havner, I'm reading some of his books uh, right now. I just, uh, I love his writing. And um, if you don't know him, look him up. Boy, what a man of God he was. But, He was talking about in our churches nowadays. He said, we worry more about why Lazarus was poor and had to eat the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. We worry more about him in the church nowadays than we worry about why the rich man went to hell. (coughs) Well, somebody should have done something for Lazarus. Lazarus is okay. Did you not read the rest of the chapter in Luke 16? Lazarus is doing fine. Rich man wasn't doing so well, was he? That's where our mindset is nowadays. That's where our mindset is nowadays. And people nowadays, I, I know, I hear it. You do too, boy. Church, hey, all about preaching about doing what is right. They ought to get out there and help some poor people. Next Saturday, what time is it, Terry? Eight o'clock. We have firewood. Where is he? Work day. We have work day next Saturday. You're welcome to come. Wednesday, they'll be passing out food boxes. Is that right, Mike? Passing out food boxes. Get in touch with Mike Dease. See, you can quit harping and carping about all of that, and you can say, Doggone, that church is doing something. I've just been sitting around on my backside, grumbling and griping about something I should have kept my mouth shut about. See what happens when my tongue gets loose. That probably didn't help anybody. It felt good. Just telling people how wrong they are is probably not going to help them. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. You know, we're coming to the end of this this morning, but I told the man Wednesday night, I said, uh, Derek Chauvin or whatever his name was, the policeman, he was held accountable for taking a man's life. And it was tragic, and the jury spoke, and I, I believed from what I saw that he did some terrible, terrible things, but it's, I wasn't on the jury, but others were. and It was a tragedy. The death of George Floyd was a tragedy, and yes, it was caused a great deal by the actions that Derek showed him. But I asked the men, I said, what about the tragedy not of George Floyd's death? What about the tragedy of his life? That was a tragedy, too. It's almost like people are wanting their little boys to grow up and be like George Floyd now. Really? Are you kidding me? He was in and out of jail. His life was a tragedy. His life was devastated with sin and selfishness. He robbed people. He was in trouble the day he got arrested and and all of that, I'm not saying any I'm not trying to justify any of that. What I'm saying to you is it's so easy for us to look at certain things and, and say, Man, that's terrible. That is awful. Look, we ought to get in on it a little sooner and, and start looking at people's lives and say, Well, what was he doing there to start with? How does that happen? And and and, and how in the world did all of that come about? And and sometimes we look at, at people that you know, I hear people say, well, uh, my, my cousin, my son, maybe even my daughter, my whatever, uh, they, they, they were there and it was, they got killed and it was terrible and that is terrible. I couldn't imagine it, but, but it was a drug deal. It went bad. <coughs> there were things going bad before the drug deal, friend. We act like that whatever happened at the very end is all that happened. We forget about what happened before that. People need a Savior. People are sinful creatures and we need to be born again. And, and it's not me preaching from some high horse, I'm telling you. Except for the grace of God, I would not even be here right now. I was wild and I was out in the world. I had a two year spell there where nobody could tell me anything oh and if something had to happen people would have thought oh what a tragedy that one night i remember really well the guy had to hit me when he shot the tragedy was my life to start with i was already a mess i needed jesus people need that we can do it with gentleness and love do it with fear. In verse 15. He said, offer this with... We we translate it, respect phobos as a word. It really is a word for fear. We are dealing with eternal matters. We're dealing with heaven and hell. We're dealing with where a person is going to spend eternity. Uh, when you offer a defense for the hope that is within you, do it with fear. Say, hey... Man, I I could have been lost and and undone and we could could have not had any hope had it not been for Jesus Christ. Have a sense of seriousness about you when you share this with people. (coughs) Do it with fear. Do it by example. In verse 16, he talks about they will see your good behavior in Christ and when they do, it will undermine some of the horrible things maybe... They have said about you, also do it through suffering. Verse 17, he said, yeah, sometimes you will suffer when you offer this defense. When you live for Jesus, it is a part of this life. Last of all, do it out of gratitude. Verse 18, Christ died for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. we were all unrighteous none of us were worse or better than anyone else when you break the law of God you break the whole law according to the book of James we illustrate it around here by these big old nice windows we have these windows are one pane of glass not little panes of glass. It's not like you could walk over here and break one out and leave the rest of them intact. So sometimes when we look at God's law, we forget that no, James said, if you break one law, you've broken the whole thing. You've broken the whole thing. So it's easy for us to get on our little high horse sometimes, folks, and say, "Well, well, I don't see how anybody could do And whatever. Now, I'm with you on some of those things. I don't know how people could do certain things. But before I get too carried away with all the things I've not done, I have to remember something. I'm a lawbreaker. I'm guilty. And that means I'm guilty of breaking the whole law. I can't look at somebody else and say, boy, I was lost, but they're really lost. You're not any more really lost and you are really saved. It's like being really pregnant. You either are or you're not. We're just lost. The righteous died for the unrighteous. And we don't deserve it. But he gave us his life. So we could have a life with Him, because we're sinners. Amen. Hallelujah. We can shine in this darkness. We're going to have to make some decisions first of all about our tongue, about some of our behavior, and whether every time somebody wants to fight, we jump in there. You're going to have plenty of opportunities. Plenty of opportunities. This is one of the most aggressive times I've ever seen in my life. I don't know when it will happen. I don't doubt that if the Lord allows me to live a normal length of time in life, I, I may still be pastoring here when they try to beat the front door off this place one Sunday morning. I can tell you this, I guess first of all, we will probably get dumped on Facebook. There are things that we say not intentionally trying to cause a stir but when you preach the truth I'd say we probably need to try to figure out a different way to make our sermons public because somebody's going to tell on us. It's coming, friend. And it's coming with vengeance. We can shine in this darkness and make some right decisions and then be willing and ready and prepared to give a defense. Why do you believe what you believe? How is it you forgive people that don't forgive you? How is it that you love the unloved? They're not going to be impressed with your theology. They're not going to be impressed with all the fancy things you know about eschatology. They're not going to be impressed by all of those uh, people you hang out with at your fancy church. No. Give a defense for that hope that they see in you at work at home and where else. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come to you and we thank you for loving us and dying for us, God. The righteous for the unrighteous righteous oh my lord we don't deserve it I pray right now Lord, right now that if there is anybody here that maybe till this morning they didn't understand that maybe they came in the door today with a tremendous amount of respect and regard for you as a historical figure as one who loved others, as an example, a tremendous teacher whose teachings are on par with with Gandhi or Confucius or other religious figures. God, if that's all they know about you, I pray, God, that this morning that you have spoken to their heart. Lord, they realize and know that they can know you in a much deeper way than that. That you need to be sanctified, set apart in your heart as Christ. Lord, I pray you help us with that. Help us, God, to be that that view, not just of a beautiful waterfall, but I I pray, God, that when people will see our lives, they would be enamored with your power how can that be how can that man love those who did him so poorly or, or how can that woman care so deeply and pray so long for a man who treats her so badly how can that person work so hard when the other employees don't even care how is it they always have a soft they are relentlessly attacked, I pray, God, that something besides waterfalls and mountains would start getting people's attention, that they would see your hands and your fingerprints, not just in nature, but in our lives, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.